welcome back everybody it's the next episode of the cold beer and cool movie podcast my name is dustin and i'm lakeisha and it's the podcast in which beer snobbery and movie nerdery collide and this week uh we are we saw the next installment in the slate of summer uh blockbusters as we went and saw solo a star wars movie a star wars story Oh, okay, sorry. Let's see. All that alliteration works out just perfectly. All the S's. Oh, okay. Well, we will agree to disagree on that. <laughs> oh, be a lot to get to in this movie. I've been looking forward to this conversation. Um, but before we get into all of that, we always start our podcast as we each have a couple of new uh, beers that we're going to be having as we discuss the movie. And I went first last week. So what is it that you are having? Okay. I am drinking um, an Imperial IPA from Victor 23 Craft Brewing from Vancouver, Washington. And this is called Jet Fuel. Mm-hmm. Um, Victor 23 Brewing is relatively new. Um, they just opened in like 2016. And they uh, are up in Vancouver. And they are a aviation-themed pub. Yeah. Um, and they use uh, D.B. Cooper is their oh. inspiration oh. for uh, everything that they do. Um, and so the pub up there is supposed to be aviation-themed with information about D.B. Cooper. Or, yeah. um, and they even describe themselves as saying that the Victor 23 Airway runs from Portland to Seattle and passes directly over Vancouver, Washington, where our brewery is located. It was on this route that the infamous D.B. Cooper hijacked a Boeing 727, extorted $200,000, and parachuted to an uncertain fate. Probably died. Maybe. Spoiler alert. Well, it's not really a spoiler alert. That's simply your theory. Okay. So, anyway, uh, so this Jet Fuel is an Imperial IPA. Um, It is, uh, they describe it as a smooth drinking Imperial IPA with citrus and pine hot flavors to light up your afterburners. Um, It has 9% alcohol by volume. It's an Imperial. Yeah. And uh, the can says 99 IBUs. Some of the web reviews said that it had um, 75. Uh, I don't know. Um, I would say that the malty flavor of this Imperial IPA kind of over, uh, takes over Mm -hmm. anything about the hoppiness. So, uh, so it's okay. It's not bad. Yeah. Um, much like the movie we're about to review, it's it's fine. <laughs> oh wow! Spoiler That's alert. how we're thinking into it. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so I'd be interested to see some of their other IPAs. They're all aviation themed. Yeah. So it'd be kind of cool. But yeah. uh, this is it's an okay Imperial IPA. Yeah, uh, I like um, breweries do find a theme, you know, like to go along to put everything to. It's pretty fun. Though I'd be interested to know what they think of, because there was a guy who, like, supposedly confessed on his deathbed to his family that he was D.B. Cooper, like, within the last month. Right. Yeah. So, I wonder if they come out with a beer that says it wasn't him. (laughs) That would be be great. Okay. So, I am having a beer made by a Washington, state of Washington area brewery as well, from Fremont uh, Brewing. This is called BS2. Oh, it's, uh, now, Fremont Brewing is located in Seattle. It's a family-owned brewery that they started in 2009. has a couple different brewing locations up there. Typically, although it's not on this can, uh, their logo is the Great Blue Heron, which is the official bird of Seattle. Hmm. What's interesting about this particular beer that I really wanted to get to really quickly is why they call it the BS2 is because last year they brewed a beer called that was just called BS, and it was for the 20th anniversary of the Belmont Station, oh. which is a beer bar and bottle shop in Portland, mm-hmm. at a place that's been voted uh, the best bottle shop in Portland multiple years in wow. uh, Willamette Weekly. And so they made another one since, I guess, the Belmont Station just turning 21 this year. And so they call it BS2. Uh, the best thing about it, 
uh, is the can is essentially an homage to the movie poster for the old 80s sci-fi movie Tron. Yes. And it looks awesome. Uh, instead of the, the big laser frisbee that the, floating up in the air from the movie, it's a big green hop plant. Right. And the rest of it looks just like Tron. Um, it's pretty good. It's kind of a hazy mm-hmm. IPA, so it's it's a good for this type of year. Summer's coming up. It's a good, lighter, uh, refreshing IPA at 7.6% alcohol by volume. It says it has 80 um, IBUs. Made with Eldorado, Citra, and my favorite, Mosaic Hops. Mm-hmm. Uh, it says specifically, though, to drink it fresh, as this beer isn't going to age. you got to get rid of it before it goes bad, I guess. But, yeah, it, it's pretty good, but I like just the label on the can. Yeah. It's great. That is awesome. And I loved that they did a little homage to a Portland uh, yeah. bottle station. I mean, because, you know, they've called – Portland has been called Seattle's weirder – Little sister. Yeah. Yeah, I know. But, uh, yeah, I thought that was weird because I was researching it and I was like, all of a sudden I was taken to a different website for a thing in Portland. I was confused for a second as to what I, what, what was going on. So yeah. that's kind of neat that they did that. Cool. Yeah. All right. So that's what we're having during, for our discussion today. Before we get into uh, Solo, a Star Wars story, uh, we each have a piece of movie news or something that we want to ask each other about right uh i asked you to watch the trailer for the upcoming movie another uh movie based on the jungle book called mowgli yes simply called mowgli this is interesting because disney did that fully kind of live action jungle book that john favreau directed had bill murray a bunch of big Mm -hmm. names and yeah, that really was well received. Done. And this movie was scheduled to come out that same year. And it's Andy Serkis's production. And he pushed it back until this year. And I couldn't have been more surprised when I saw this trailer. What did you think? Oh, I don't know. I think um, it was okay. They keep trying to make these like grittier reboots of certain movies where I'm I'm not sure exactly how to take it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you think all the way back to the original, you know, Disney cartoon of of uh, The Jungle Book and, you know, it was just so light and, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, optimistic. Um, the and- bare necessities. Dum, oh. bum, bum, bum. Okay, yeah. babe, we got gotcha. yeah. <laughs> And then, um, and then, like uh, in the '90s, I think it was like '94 or something like that. Mm-hmm. They did a they did a live action version of it, uh, sort of, but it had um, Jason Scott Lee in. Huh. Uh, I'm not familiar with that one. As as a you know a, a young man, Mowgli. Uh-huh. Also, you know, pretty optimistic. And now we're getting to this like dark, gritty one and. I, I don't know how I feel about it. Um, so, I mean, it I guess it looks interesting. I think in recent years as I've become an adult and I've looked back at Jungle Book, um, I have a different perspective on it. Yeah. Because the whole point of this movie is that Shere Khan, the, the tiger, uh, the tiger is um, wants to get rid of Mowgli, wants to kill Mowgli because he's going to grow up and he's going to become... Um, a human man, and he's going to destroy the jungle. Mm-hmm. Um, and in in almost every version, he does. He sets the forest on fire. <laughs> yeah. So he does exactly what Shere Khan is worried about. Um, and so I don't know. It's 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 weird. So we'll see. Yeah. There's another trailer out there where Andy Circus is um, basically doing commentary on the trailer. Yeah. And I kind of want to go back and sit and watch that. Um, because of course, if there's going to be some CGI animal character in there, they're going to call Andy Circus. Yeah. In, which is great because um, I love him and I think he's awesome. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we'll see. I don't, I I really liked it. Cuz I remember when there were like when I heard that there was essentially going to be competing versions 
of mm-hmm. the Jungle Book and then the one that John Favreau directed got such claim. Yeah. You know, but it was still more, it was Disney and see, I guess, I never, I actually never saw it, but it seems very, you know, more happy and Disney-esque. And then to see that this one was just going to be so different, yeah. in a different direction. And you're right Seems about that. pretty dark. The, about dark, you know, reimaginings, you know, but I'd never thought of it for, you know, mm-hmm. uh, a Disney cartoon, you know. So it, I thought it looked really, really interesting. Pretty yeah. cool. Anyway, so anyway, that's what I asked you to, to check out for us today. Okay. So mine, I had to is about the uh, theories that have already come out regarding Avengers 4. Oh, okay. So I thought it was interesting because they have been starting to release, and I don't know if it's official or if it is, um, these are all just rumors, because, but they're all saying the same rumor. Okay. So I wonder if there's some, some truth to that. But... The latest iteration of like of this is that in Avengers Four, we're gonna see um, Tony Stark and possibly Captain America go time traveling. Okay. What do you think about that? I've heard of this too. I've heard like a rumor that it's gonna somehow involve the technology that we saw in. Um, in Civil War, mm-hmm. in the beginning, where Tony Stark uses that whatever technology to kind of revisit a past memory with his parents. Right. Um, I mean, I hope they don't get... Because time travel can break something, storytelling-wise. Because you exactly. open yourself up to so many potential plot holes, especially if you don't really, if you don't really hash out and explain somewhere in the story, this is what our rules of time travel are. Right. If you don't do that, there's going to be, you could open yourself to plot hole issues. The Russo brothers are pretty good so far about mm-hmm. potent, about dealing, you know, making these superhero movies without plot holes that are just, you know, ruinous. Right. So, you know, well, it, they haven't, time travel is definitely a comic booky thing. I kind of hope that they don't go like, you know, oh, well, we got to go back in time and kill Thanos as a baby or something ridiculous like that. I hope they don't go too crazy with it. Right. Um, You know, I, I suspected time travel was going to have to perhaps play a little bit in it just yeah. because it's the only way to bring the characters back to life, I guess. But the idea that like, I don't know. Maybe in in my head, I just had these this vision of Tony Stark and Captain America getting lost in time, you <laughs> oh, know, and yeah. having their own little romp ad- adventures, um, um, which I'm sure the Russo brothers wouldn't do because they're very talented at storytelling. Um, but I hope, I just hope it's not as simple as that. Yes, that's what I really worry about. Is like, like maybe they just did they make it too challenging to try to fix the the situation after infinity war and now we just we're just gonna mm-hmm. you know oversimplify the res- resolution that would be disappointing right so i just didn't know if you started to read it i thought it was hilarious the the movie's only been out for a month yeah and already they're like spoilers for avengers, avengers 4. 4 i know and i kind of feel like okay chill out everybody um even though i i really want to know um you know how it's going to end and how they're going to bring those characters back. I hope that it's not as simple as just we're going to go back and down yeah. and fix everything. Yes, I agree. So, okay. Well, I guess that means it is time to get into our movie this week. Yes. So, uh, before we get into uh, talking about what we liked and didn't like, we got to say, uh, I want to mention up front that this movie had a lot of controversy surrounding it. It did. Oh, my goodness. You know, first of all, that when it was announced that they were going to make a young Han Solo movie, uh, it was my uh, experience in Star Wars fandom that there was a lot of why. Yeah. <laughs> Initially, it, it was a movie that not I wasn't that Star Wars fans weren't sure that they even really wanted. Correct. Um then the directors, uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller, the makers of the Lego movie, 
were announced as directors, which was like, that's interesting. Right. And then, and then eventually, the massive casting search, they eventually settle on Alden Eigenreich. Yeah. Which was met with another collective, what? Yeah. <laughs> A sense of confusion and perplexed. Um, perplexion. And then they start, uh, but kind of rescued after Donald Glover is cast as Lando. The yes. world went hooray. They start filming. And then well into filming, Lord and Miller are either fired from the production or they leave. Irreconcilable differences are cited. I mean, and not just a couple weeks. I mean, months into filming. Right. Uh, Ron Howard is brought in. Reportedly, an acting coach is brought in for the <laughs> film star. I know. Uh, some rumors say that Ron Howard uh, reshot up to 80% of this movie. Um, Paul Bettany is brought in to play the villain because the guy that originally played the villain couldn't get brought, they couldn't get him back for scheduling purposes. Oh, my uh, goodness. All of that. It comes out when it was originally scheduled to have come out. Did, I know. Did you like this movie? Oh, man. It was fine. Mm-hmm. I think that the problem I have with this movie is it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be, given all of Can, that. Given all of that, it should have been Terrible. a grease fire. Right. And on a train wreck. Right. And it wasn't. Right. And so it's tempting to to evaluate this movie based on the fact that we expected it to be terrible. Mm -hmm. So clearly it's got to be good. But if you just sit back and look at the movie, it's a solid... mm, Yeah, Yeah. it's tempting to move the goalposts, (laughs) as the saying goes, because of all the trouble it had to kind of give it a... Well, considering everything, you know. Yeah. But but if you didn't know all of that stuff before and just saw it cold, not knowing any of that backstory, uh, yeah, it's... If someone were to ask me if I liked it, I would go, guess? Yeah. Yeah. But we'll get into all, all that a little more in detail. Uh, we've each decided on our three favorite bits, things, what have you, from uh, this movie. So spoiler alert, if you haven't made it out to the theater to see Solo, we'll be talking about plot details. Should that be relevant Yeah. Well, we, we will either convince you to go see it or convince you to wait till it comes out on DVD. Mm-hmm. And then see it. And, uh, yeah, so we haven't shared these things with each other. No. Uh, I went first last week. Okay. And I don't know that we really need to do a synopsis of this story because it is, it's it's pretty much set up in the title that it's about Solo. Right. Han Solo. Yes. Um. And, uh, yeah. So, okay. A young Han Solo played by... Alden Iron Iron Reich Aaron whatever. Um Yeah, okay. So I and you knew I was gonna say this because mm-hmm. I did really like this. Um I thought Donald Glover did a great Lando Calrissian. Yeah. I thought he had just the right amount of cockiness and swagger to be a young Lando Calrissian. Um, and I was excited when they cast him. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and then the trailer, I think it was their final official trailer came out where they just have this scene where he just, you know, Han Solo says, Oh, um, I heard a story about you. And Lando looks at him and says, everything you've heard about me is true. That's a great. And I just feel like it's perfect. Um, and I love the fact that he's, you know, very fashionable with all of his different capes mm-hmm. that he has. At one point in time, he even makes a point when um, the character Kira is putting out a fire using her cape. And he's like, um, wait, uh, my cape, you know? <laughs> yeah, it was like it's a special designer piece or yeah. something. Yeah. Um, and I love the fact that the Millennium Falcon is so nice impeccably clean it's so clean and it looks so good um which is kind of in contrast to all of the later movies where it's consistently referred to as a piece of junk Mm -hmm. so um 
when Han has the ship, he's not taking the greatest care of it. Yeah. Uh, Lando, however, loved that ship. Mm. So, um, and in true uh, smuggler fashion, you kind of get to the moment of truth where, you know, Han and his team are going to have their face off with the with the um, other smugglers that are, you know, they poach off of other people's yeah. um, uh, scores. And he, he goes, I could, that ship is full of, you know, however many people. And all I have to do is snap my fingers and they're going to come running. And just as he does that, of course, Lando just takes off with the what? ship and leaves. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and I thought, also very much Lando. So, um, I thought he was great. I thought his swagger was hilarious and his attitude was great. So, uh, he really made the movie. Yeah. Um, I was trying to think of, so I, since I knew you were going first this week and I knew you would pick Lando, I was trying to think of three things that I liked about that movie and have one of them not be Land Donald Glover as Lando. And you couldn't do it, could yeah. you? It was like, why? I'd be, it, it's a lie. It'd be lying if I did. So, yeah, I want to also say Lando. Specifically, I noticed right away when you first, because when you you don't, you hear him speaking before you see him mm-hmm. when he is introduced. And if you go see this movie, and if you're a big Star Wars fan, really try to pay attention when you first start, when you hear his voice, because it really struck me. His cadence of how he speaks as Lando Calrissian is so much like Billy D. Williams. Yeah. It really struck me as incredible. I mean, it's not like they didn't just dress him up, you know, with all the capes and cool hip garb that Lando would wear and call it good. He clearly did the homework and really tailored his performance. I mean, right down to, I mean, it's not like he's doing just an impression, but really like down to his voice, the way he speaks is how Lando would speak those words. Yeah. Which I found was really impressive. Um, and I like that he uh, cheats at cards. Yes. That is very much on brand. I think that would be perfectly good. Yeah, that line that you mentioned is delivered perfectly. It is that character encapsulated in a perfect moment. Mm-hmm. As, you know, that, as he's not even looking, as he's holding a glass in some bartender droid is pouring him a drink and he doesn't even move his glass or anything he's just perfectly poured there for him right and um yeah he is he is gonna he's got to be everybody's favorite thing about this movie and um, everybody clamored when he was cast because everybody was i think star wars fandom was in in general fingers crossed if lando's in this movie it's got to be that guy right it's got to be donald glover and so perfect casting he delivered on the performance so yeah Best thing in the movie. Agreed. Um, so my number two, um, I liked Chewbacca. Yeah. You know, I think they they took a risk in the way that they introduced Chewbacca, mm-hmm. especially since um, this was a change. There had been a rumor about how they were going to introduce, because uh, Chewbacca is in the Clone Wars. Of right. the first trilogy. Right. He's in the Revenge of the Sith. The Revenge of the Sith. That's yeah. right. Um, and so he, you know, he's introduced there. And um, so, you know, you, like you already know, like he's he's already, you know, been existing in this, mm-hmm. in this universe, in this world. And so it does kind of make you curious, like, how does he get trapped by the Empire, you know, and he's down there and they haven't fed him in three days and they give him a person and you kind of wonder, is he eating people? Yeah, is he actually murdering and eating people? Or is it just that he hasn't been fed for three days so he'll literally eat anything? Yeah. I don't know. But I do love that um, Han speaks a little bit of Wookiee to be able to, like, gain his trust and get his attention so that he's not just fighting him. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that part was good. Um, and then I have to say, it's just, it's such a hilarious scene because they get picked up there, you know, by, uh, Tobias Beckett's crew and they're off and all you see is, um, Solo's feet in the shower and all the oh, mud. that was weird. All the mud, uh, dripping off of him. And then all of a sudden you just see two Wookiee feet come into the shower standing right next to him. 
And then you just hear uh, Alden as Han saying, we couldn't have done this one at a time. And like, that's it. That's the scene. And it's so funny. It's really good. Yeah. The Han and Chewie origin story was pretty good. It was pretty good. It was pretty good in that it ends with them showering together. (laughs) It's just funny. A little weird. Oh, it's so funny. All right. So, uh, but yeah, I was also, because they, you know, they haven't used Chewie a ton in the new um, episode, or, you know, the Force Mm -hmm. Awakens and The Last Jedi. So to see him use, see him quite a bit in this movie was good. Uh, For my second thing, uh, even though this character is not in it a ton, I'm going to say L3. Oh, uh, yeah. The the droid, Lando's droid. Um, and she's not you know, not in it very much. And you could argue that they are just ripping off the whole uh, sassy droid thing right. from Rogue One, from K2SO, used in Rogue One. Mm-hmm. But she's she's the funniest thing in the movie. They she is pretty funny. give her the funny. funniest lines. Um, also, I mean, does this mean that, like, are all droids sentient beings? I know. Because she's all about equal rights for droids and freeing them from enslavement. Um, So, and uh, the actress, uh, the actress that they put in a motion capture, you know, rig to be this droid, uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, is very talented. Uh, She had a one-woman show in London. She's a British uh, actress. That turned into a a TV series that you can watch on Amazon Prime called Fleabag. Mm -hmm. And I've watched a couple of the episodes of it. And it's she's really good. It's a very dark comedy. I mean, she's funny, but there's like but there's a real darkness to that show that makes it kind of tough to watch. But you can tell that she's very talented. And I feel kind of bummed that they disguise her, you know, as a digital character instead of letting her be a on set, you know, alien or, or something. Right. Um but you know she's one of a couple of characters that is you can just you just know are pegged for death <laughs> right away uh, because you know Han Solo keeps going on about how he's going to be a pilot the best pilot in the galaxy and he runs into people that he works with and they already have a pilot like well if he's going to be a pilot in this movie that person can't be around right and L three is one of those people so she but uh, but like and. She's piloting the Falcon for a little while, and Lando gets up out of his captain's chair, and he's like, you know, says something essentially, can, do I need to get you anything before he leaves the cockpit? And she just goes, equal rights? Right, without missing a, a beat. beat. Yeah, like, there's instantly. no bots. Yeah. So she has the funniest lines. She implies that uh, <laughs> there's some sort of, like, Lando has a crush, crush on her. is <laughs> pretty funny. So, yeah, the, uh, the sassy droid of this movie... Um, is pretty fun while she's in it. So nice. Um, all right. So I will have to say it was hard for me to come up with a number three on this one. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like we have hit the top three moments here between Chewbacca, Lando and L3. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I don't, I think, I don't know what my third is. Although I will say, I was impressed. This is the only Star Wars movie story out there that does not have a Skywalker or Kenobi in it. That's true. And I appreciated that. Yeah. Does that count? Your call. Okay. I would also say, um, I guess what I would say is, even though I didn't really understand Paul Bettany's character and mm-hmm. the fact that like he had all these scars on his face that glowed like a deep red when he got really angry. Yeah. Um, I liked him. He sure. Was, he he was a good mob boss. Yeah. And um, so yeah, there you go. Okay. There's my three. All right. Combined. It's Those a, com- Yeah, it's a slash. No Kenobi or Skywalker slash. slash. Paul Bettany is a great mob boss. Okay. For my last thing, I'm gonna say that. Uh, well, the Star Wars movies, they've always been good at making cool space things. Yeah. And this movie is no exception. So I'm going to say, like, the vehicles. Mm. Um, so, like, you know, there's the train that they try to rob that is, like, like you know, spin, it's, like, on a rotating track or yeah. whatever. It's really cool. It, it comes with these stormtrooper guards that have magnetic boots because they have to because it's 
spins on its axis. You right. Know. Against the railing. Against it's on the both railings. sides. Yeah. That's really, that's a really good sequence and it looks really cool. The space yacht that Dryden Voss, you know, Paul mm-hmm. Bettany's character has is pretty cool because it's different because it's like, it's, it's vertical. It's right. It's vertical. It stands straight up in the air as opposed to typical more horizontal ships. Um, other another the weird space monster <laughs> they find, right? Even though they don't really explain why that's there, it's pretty good space monster. It is, and and like we already mentioned, the um, the super clean look of the Millennium Falcon, the yeah. pristine. Even though I didn't like the whole uh, skate pod thing, you know, in the in the middle. You know that where the the usually open mandibles are in the classic Millennium Falcon. They filled that in with an escape pod in this movie. Right. I didn't care for that. But then they get rid of it. But they get rid of it in a way that didn't seem logical. But yeah. Uh, Anyway, but yeah, all those things, all the aesthetics in this movie are appropriately Star Wars cool, and they all look right, and all the effects look really good. Right. So I'll say all of that uh, combined. (laughs) <laughs> is my, your number three okay so so really i didn't cheat with my not really no okay. though i will say as kind of a sort of honorable mention um um and her name just escaped me uh khaleesi oh uh emilia clark Emilia clark i thought she was pretty good in this i thought she was okay she's still stiff like mm-hmm. i don't see her you know i felt like her and han are in love because they're supposed to be. Yeah. Well, that's that's not her fault. That's more of a writing thing. But her performance, I felt, was yeah, was fine. I guess I feel like the chemistry between two characters is based on the acting. Yeah. And I just didn't. I'm not sure I bought it. Okay. So, but okay. All right. So now we get to the part where we talk about maybe things we didn't like so much. Yeah. Or weren't so great yeah and and this is something where we i promise Mm -hmm. to not go too far okay or too long all right so um i think ultimately the thing that i didn't like about this movie is um even though it's almost it's about two hours long so it's a long movie, mm-hmm. but at the same time, the things they spent time on didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Yeah, you know, like the I we're supposed to buy that essentially he can go on one job with Tobias Beckett, played by Woody Har- Harrelson, who's always great. Yeah, um, and his crew, and somehow that after that one job, like he's. He's got a team, and and he and Chewie trust each other, and there's a... You know, like, I would have preferred some sort of, like, montage scene of, of different jobs right. that they were on together, that mm-hmm. um, Beckett and his crew, as they, as they really adopt Han and Chewie into their crew, and that Han and Chewie... Um, develop their bond together yeah. through different adventures together. And there's so many ways that they could do it where Han is trying to be a pilot because, of course, Beckett already has one. And there could be tons of opportunity where Han's like, let me fly, <laughs> you yeah. know? Or there's tons of opportunity where Beckett is giving Han advice and it, you know, on how to be a good smuggler. Right. And uh, that where Chewie is pulling out of Han, Han out of different, like, crazy little incidents i think even a few moments of a montage of that would have made me care more both about beckett and his crew and and you know beckett's subsequent loss because he essentially loses his entire crew yeah on his first mission with han that is not a good sign if i go on a mission with somebody that i just picked off up off of some planet yeah and then all my crew, but him, that person dies, probably going to leave that person behind. That person is no longer valuable to me, you know? Um, And so I just feel like there was an opportunity there for them to cement how Han and Chewie become a team and really begin to trust each other and how Han becomes a smuggler. Yeah. Because prior to that, 
he is essentially just um you know a street kid part of a gang on on a planet space on a planet. oliver twist yeah space oliver twist on some planet and then he gets off and then he's in the um he belongs essentially to the empire mm. um he enlists yeah he enlists um and is there for three years and then suddenly he's supposed to be this great smuggler. Like, I just feel like there was an opportunity missed there um, to build chemistry and connection mm-hmm. um, between the characters. So uh, so I just didn't like how fast that transition to smuggler is. Yeah. Um, and to pilot. Because you only see him pilot two ships in this entire yeah. movie. That was my thing, too. Is he talks about there's no... He, he talks about from the beginning about how he's I'm going to be a pilot. I'm going to be the best pilot in the galaxy. And there's nothing about how, well, how did he learn to fly? Right. You know, you don't, you see him driving a speeder around while they're on Corellia, his home world in the mm-hmm. beginning. And then he lists with the Empire and he mentions later that he was in the Imperial Navy for you don't know how long and it was thrown out. Right. Um, with the eye rolling line for having a mind of my own. Right. Um, you know, so. I mean, is he just is just pretty naturally a skill that he's just was gonna you know yeah naturally predisposed to being a pilot? I don't know. I wish there would have been something more to that. Um, learning his piloting skills would have been, or learning how yeah. to like refine them would have been awesome. Right, like you said, like you know, he joins up with this Beckett, and then there's like a montage sequence where he's learning a, the ropes from Rio, mm-hmm. that character that. Voiced by John Favreau. I know. I didn't, I didn't recognize his voice in the movie. Um, yeah. Also, so there was a couple of times in the first ten to fifteen minutes in the movie where I audibly said under my breath, "Oh Jesus Christ!" I know. Because <laughs> I was just like, "You are kidding me with this." Uh, the biggest one was when we find out uh, about we find out about Han Solo that Solo isn't his actual last name. Right. I cannot describe how much I hated that. I mean, words cannot express how... So, this character... Han Solo has been Han Solo since I've been alive. Right. Right? And now, all of a sudden, that's not who he was. We still don't know what his last name. That still is a mystery. And the scene in which they explain this is so ridiculous. He enlists... He goes to sign up for the uh, for the Empire to right. enlist. Name. Han. Last name. What? I mean... That's not how you answer that question. And he says, who's your people? Oh, well, I don't have any people. And some imperial book guy keeping signing people up just gives him the name Solo because he's by himself. Right. I mean. Dumb. At the very least. So dumb. Han could have given himself the name Solo when he right. says, I don't have any people. Right. And he looks at him and then Han could have owned it and been like, Solo. Mm-hmm. I'm Han Solo, mm-hmm. or something or else. He is on the run at this point in time from the right. gangster element. They could have said he has given him some other last name earlier, and then he goes to enlist and he goes, "Well, I'm. I don't want people to find out who I am because I'm a wanted person. Right. So I am Han, and then come up with it himself, which would be more an on brand for the character. This character, right? It's just I was, wow. Yeah, that um, was. It was pretty bad. Um, and I think given the fact that you just see probably the most emotional scene, like between him and Kira, you know, mm-hmm. his love yeah. interest, where she gets captured and, you know, and they're like yelling at each other. Like, what an opportunity to say that your name is Solo. Because now, yeah, because now you really are. Right. The person that you are going to escape and live the rest of your life with is yanked yeah. away from you at the very as Correct. You, right. Yeah. So anyway, I agree. It was a terrible, terrible waste of an opportunity. Oh man. Um. Okay. Um. So something else I didn't like. Um. Gosh. Which thing? Um. I did not like uh, Val's death, played by Tandy Newton. Oh yeah. I mean, she's in the movie for three minutes, less than five. You have no opportunity to care about her. You have no opportunity yep. to, A, 
remember what a badass Tandy Newton is. Like, it was such, what a waste of a great actress. Why would you cast an actress of that caliber with if that name if you're going to, if that's all you're going to use her for? Right. A, a useless, senseless death. That means, I mean, it's not even an example of fridging. Because right. her, she was Beckett's, you know, significant other, and he seemed to hardly care. Right. He didn't. It wasn't used as motivation for him for anything future. Right. She just and she that she sacrifices herself to potentially for a score for a score. Yeah. It didn't make you know for this you know supposedly kind of bloodthirsty hardened woman of crime that she would do it for the team. I don't know. It didn't. When that happened, I whispered over at you, I hope they find a way to find out later that she survived. Yeah. Because that is dumb. Right. That and, was... and, of course, you know, she doesn't. She's dead. No, she's dead. Right. It was just a waste. And, again, even that montage se- sequence. Are you listening, writers? I really feel like you need to call me up the next time you're doing a movie. Um, a montage se- sequence would have made you care about her, watching her teach Han how to shoot, or Beckett teach them how to shoot. Like... There's so much opportunity for a, a small sequence where you begin to care about those characters so that when they die, it matters. Mm-hmm. And, and if, I mean, and if this character, this, this really is all you're planning to use her for and to be in this movie for so little a time, cast an, some, an unknown, give some unknown actress a shot to, you know, to right. catch someone's eye. Give some unknown person that, that role as opposed to, and save yourself from money, because I'm sure the price tag to get Fandy Newton in your movie isn't insignificant. Right. And if that's all you're going to use her for, it just, I was... I it was, was very disappointing. Yes. Um, so I think one of the, la- the last thing maybe I'll, I'll mention is just, we got to talk about Han himself. A lot being made Do we about, have to? Well, yeah. I mean, he's the title character. And I will say... Alden Ian Reich, I mean, he's not, he's not, he's not bad. No. All right. Um, I don't want anybody going there thinking, you know, that this, that it's a, that he's a train wreck. But the thing is, is, um, I mentioned this when we were talking with family last night about this movie. It's better if you go into this movie just pretending that he's not playing Han Solo, that he's playing some other character. Right. Um, is the the, the points in time where I feel he most closely resembles the character appropriately is when he is more reserved, when he's not trying to be charming, when he's not trying to force a smile, mm-hmm. you know, when he's like kind of reserved, when Beckett asks him if he's going to, if they will come with him on this thing and Chewie says something and without a smile, he just says, you know, that mainly means yes. Yeah. You know, that, kind, that there's a few moments when he kind of more reservedly delivers lines and that is when he is at the most, I feel, closest to being Han Solo. Because right. Han Solo has an effortless charm. And that's a thing that you are born with or you are not. It's not a thing that is learned. And it feels like that he is, maybe they're trying to say, well, he's not he's not that Han Solo yet. Because he hasn't learned. Well, I don't know. It's just, he's trying too hard. Right. Uh, to the extent that he tries to be charming a bunch of times in this movie and tries to say something that other characters in the movie laugh at him for because he is trying too hard. And the audience laughs at him too. And that's not... That's not that, what you That's want. not the character. You know who tries too hard and you laugh at him? Luke Skywalker. Right. That's what Luke does. That's not what Han Solo does. I mean, yeah, he can be an inexperienced smuggler and inexperienced at the, at the art of crime and smuggling or whatever. But he shouldn't be, especially being raised on the streets of a... Mm-hmm. You know, as a as a criminal child, him being you know just effortlessly being able to read a room, be just that charisma should be there, and it's not right. I I will say the scenes with him and Chewie are pretty good, mm-hmm. and Chewbacca. Those be. are probably his best scenes. Yes. Um, and and that I liked because you know Han and Chewie like. That's the duo. Mm-hmm. They're, you know, they're always supposed to be together. And so that's a pretty, you know, so though I was glad to see that those scenes were pretty good. But yeah, I think that was part of the problem is that it's almost like he's trying too hard to be the Han Solo he's going to be yeah. in 10 years. Right? And I think 
you know, there's opportunities for him to to learn some of that swagger and some of that attitude from right. Lando. There's opportunities for him to learn some of that from Beckett. But yeah, I just, you know, I I think he, first of all, I was pleasantly surprised. He does a decent job. Again, um, if you're not thinking of him as being a young Han Solo and you, you just change his name and do this movie. Right. You know, and pretend it's not a Star Wars movie. He's probably pretty decent. Right. You know? And, um, but it's, it was the fact that he's trying really hard to be Han Solo. Yes. Uh, oh, I do have one thing to ask you, though. So there is a lot of references and nods to other Star Wars movies and things mm-hmm. that happens in other Star Wars movie movies. What did you think of them? Um... They were okay. I think mm-hmm. I think I would have liked it more if um if I had liked the movie more. Yeah. You know, if I had been more invested in the movie, then I probably would have been more um like found all of those little easter eggs and yeah. and things like that to be more fun, you know? But but I didn't. Yeah, some of them are kind of subtle, which mm-hmm. were fun, like uh um, Amelia Clark at one point like takes down a guy martial arts style, mm-hmm. and the it's like one of the else three's fest lines as she watches this or just take this dude apart, and she just goes, "Whoa!" And, yeah. <laughs> and Amelia Clark says, "Um, uh, she she says she learned it. That's called uh, I can't remember Tarasakazi. It's the title of a Star Wars video game. Oh, really?" Of, it was a, a like a Mortal Kombat style fighting video game, minus all the blood that was <laughs> had Star Wars characters in it. That was universally considered shit. It is <laughs> not a good video game. So that they referenced that thing in this movie, I find bewildering. It's pre- <laughs> but that's still pretty fun. Yeah. But then there are other references where they just hit you over the head. There's like no subtlety at all, you know. But the one thing I really want to ask you about is they make sure that in this movie. Han shoots first. They do. <laughs> and I did like that. I did like that, too. I thought that that was great. I think I even turned to you in the theater and be like, he shot first. Yes. Um, and, you know, so it was a great, it was great. I think I would have liked it even more if I cared about Beckett's character at all. Right. But at this point, you're just like, uh. Right. Okay. You yeah. know. And like, and, and Han is clearly sad that he's shot him. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. But I don't buy that he's, I don't, why should you be? Right. You know, he wasn't that much of a mentor to you, really. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so. Yeah. yeah. The the whole casting, he's supposed to be a mentor to blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah, would have maybe been better. Yeah. He if was, we'd actually seen any good mentorship. He was a he was a mentor to you for less than a week. Right. So. Yeah. So I can't really feel any yeah. sense of like sorrow or yeah because they try to film that as like a, almost a heartbreaking moment yeah because they're it's about not. to throw down and before woody harrelson even gets his because they really go overboard to make you see that woody harrelson is a master like gunslinger he's twirling yeah. the guns about all over and han is constantly being like show me how to do that right and he, and he never does. does and so they're about to throw down and before woody harrelson can even like get he's like I'm about to show you, bang, you're dead. And Hodge yeah. kills him. And then if they try to play it as a heartbreaking moment that you just don't buy. Mm-mm. Yeah. Other than you're really excited that finally they're just really obvious that Han shot, shot first. first. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. All right. Any other? Um, I think the only thing I was disappointed in is the um, the opportunity that they lost in Kira. Yeah. Um, because there's constant references where she constantly is talking about the things she's done and there's no going back for her. There's mm-hmm. no getting out. You just don't understand. I can't tell you what I've done because you'll look at me differently. And we never learn what any of those things all. are. And it's implied that she doesn't want help. Right. Well, I mean, it's not implied. Like, she has the opportunity to get out. And instead, at the very end... Takes it to move up the ladder. Right. You know, so... I think that that was just a little disappointing because there was so much opportunity for them to be, for there to be more 
information on her backstory as to what changed for her. How did she get off of the planet? How does she become Dryden Voss's, you know, second in command, most trusted, you know, lieutenant, the best, you know, like there's all of these things where she's like, she's clearly his trusted lieutenant. Well, why? Well, how? Well, what happened? And then there's a little bit like of regret there that maybe she's not doing that willingly, but then there's nothing to explain that either. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and then the moment where she's like, you know, she tells Han, like, I can't tell you what I've done because I don't want you to look at me differently. Like, those lines and that kind of setup only pay off. If you pay them off. If you, ex- yeah, if you deliver. And mm-hmm. they never do. And I just felt like there was a great opportunity no. there for some backstory. And I get that the movie was two hours long, but there's other stuff that they totally could have cut out that right. would have been just fine. For example... It's 10 years before Han Solo before runs in to Luke Skywalker, to and, Luke Skywalker and Obi-Wan and, and Leia. So the whole like rebellion, we're funding a rebellion with Enfys yeah, Nest was... I didn't like that either. It was a little like, that. wait, wait, what? You didn't need that they, I really, they that they tried to have some sort of loose tie-in to the... Um, rebellion. To the rebellion. What, yeah, wasn't, I just, it wasn't necessary and it was kind of poorly done. Right. So you instead of doing that, you probably could have spent a little bit more time on like... Just make it all about stealing. Right. Just make it a... Yeah. Just heist after heist, crime after crime, whatever. Right. Yeah. I, so I felt like that was just a bit of a, a disappointment. It was a letdown because there was a lot of setup for something mm-hmm. that they never, ever delivered on. Well, I think it's pretty clear they were they tried to set it up for a potential sequel. Especially oh, with how it ends with Amelia Clark's character in the reveal of Darth Maul. I know. Being the and I see a lot of articles about how ooh the twist ending. It's like it's only a twist ending if you're not a Star Wars fan because in the animated series Rebels, right. Uh, it's been it was revealed years ago that he lived after the Phantom Menace and he's been around. Right. So it's not I was like, "Oh, Okay, cool. He's back in the movies. He clearly. I mean, I know he was still alive. Right. So that was kind of neat. That was Ray Park still. Mm-hmm. You know, that was good that they got him to, to come back to and come reprise back. his role. Yeah. I know. So the next time we are at Rose City Comic Con and Ray Park is there, we'll be able to say, "Ah, oh, I loved you in Solo." Yep. Right. And yes. Um. Yeah, I think. I think sometimes the trap. That we, you know, that the Star Wars Wars movie and everything falls into is that they just, I don't know. They just need to not worry so much about some of these things. Like, mm-hmm. the, like and, and they need to stop adding in big bads. Like, Crimson Dawn comes out of nowhere. Where's Crimson? What? What is Crimson Dawn? Do I care what Crimson Dawn is? Is it a subset of the Sith? Seems kind of sinister. Yeah. But why? I mean, yeah. But, like, we've already established the Sith are bad. The Knights of Ren are bad. Whoever they are. Yeah, whoever they are. We still don't know who they are. Um, The uh, Empire is bad. Mm. Um, The First Order is bad. Like, how many bads do we really need in this universe? If all of the bads in this movie were just these crime bosses and, like, mm-hmm. you know, intergalactic mafia bosses, that would have been awesome. That would have been great. Who who cares who Crimson Dawn is? I don't. Right. I would have preferred if they were just, you know, smugglers who happened to deal with both the Rebellion and the Empire. Mm-hmm. Like, that would have made me laugh. I would have preferred, um, you know, and in this, this is the same thing in, in uh, you know, when we get into, like, The Last Jedi and, and every Force Awakens, I get, like, unless they're going to deliver on who the Knights of Ren are. What was the point? What, what was the whole point of that? Yeah. You know? And uh, so just let, we've already got enough really, really big bads. So then let us just enjoy, like, smaller bats, lesser right. bats. Why couldn't Dryden Voss be 
a really good villain. You know, mm-hmm. and maybe or I couldn't Dryden Voss. Oh, you know, um, another you know be like, oh well, this was really supposed to help me pay off my debts, but don't worry, I already told Jabba the Hutt that you were going to deliver, so now you owe Jabba or something like just I don't know. I feel like these big mystery dark entities mm-hmm. are uninspired. We yeah. already have big big bads yeah. well this movie is you know it's a prequel it's another prequel right right and so when you know the result of this these characters the, the major ones anyway you know what happens to them so they're i think they're trying too hard to put in a surprise for you since you know the outcome of these characters we mm-hmm. got to try to get something in there that's a twist or something new but, but even but despite that this movie is um so uh, James from the Weekly Planet podcast that I really love, uh, in his review of this movie, he said he described this movie as very paint by numbers. Right, that and is true. I absolutely agree with that. And that was that's its major downfall. It takes no real risks whatsoever. Whatsoever. It's it was safe and bland. Yes. So, and I think you could have even put in Darth Maul's. Um, character reveal mm-hmm. without the crimson dawn dryden voss could simply have been revealed as a mid-level uh crime boss and that he reports to somebody and and who he reports to is darth maul right like that would have been fine mm. and um that the sith have their fingers in everything you know like that would have been um. f- that would have been fine this crimson dawn thing really was like Meh. Well, the thing about uh, Darth Maul is that he's not a Sith anymore. After he got defeated, after Obi-Wan cut him in half, he's kind of on his own. Okay. Yeah, I, I read a little bit about that, but I'm just yeah. saying, like, yeah. the the premise still stands. You don't need Crimson Dawn. No, I'm not fine. I'm not, I don't care about that so much. I think they should have leaned more into Crimson Dawn. I think they should have, I think they should have gotten rid of the infant's nest or whatever it was called, the, the very loose tie into the rebellion. And just made it all about the then made Crimson Dawn just scarier. Right. That's Maybe that would have worked too. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. So um any fun facts, I guess. Try to end this on <laughs> fun uh, facts. Yeah. I think you listed all of the fun facts at the beginning with all of the drama um, that surrounded this movie. That that's where it all comes from. Um I will. Um, one thing that I saw that I found interesting, uh, Woody Harrelson's character. Apparently, it came down to him and Christian Bale. Huh. That would yeah, have been a very, very different. different. That's interesting that it came down to those two actors. Yeah, you get super different interpretations that way. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, and I'll now I'll always, I always forever wonder what the Lord and Miller version of this movie was gonna be. Because the big deal about from Lucasfilm is that they were apparently doing a lot of improvising on set, and they didn't want that because the um, oh yeah that's the incredible because this Lawrence, the uh, the legendary Lawrence Kasdan wrote the script. You know he wrote Empire Strikes Back. He worked on a lot of the Indiana Jones stuff, mm-hmm. and this supposedly this was supposedly supposed to be one of the potentially the best Star Wars script laid to paper. It's all there in the script. Just filmed the script and Lord and Miller were improvising because that's a thing that they do. Right. And that was what led to them leaving. Hmm. And if this was Lawrence Kasdan's script. Uh, yeah. Wow. Maybe. Maybe no? you should have let those guys just freelance. So, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, but I guess I feel like that's not how high-level execs who want to make a lot of money oh, no, off movies work. They not don't They don't say, no. go for it, mm-hmm. you know? Or they do if after, you know, Deadpool gets made on a super low budget with a super small, you know, shooting, days of shooting, and then it makes you billions and billions of dollars. Then you get to be like, oh, yeah, sure, do whatever you want the second time, right? right? But in Disney and with Star Wars... Mm-hmm. They're a little more controlling. Yeah. I feel like there's going to be a lot more, like, follow, just just follow the formula. Right. Because that's how we're going to get a hit. Right. Um, unfortunately, 
Yeah, it didn't work so well this time. Yeah. It's the opening weekend money-wise is not good. Is going to probably be the worst opening for any Star Wars movie ever. Right. Uh, where are all the articles being written about Star Wars fatigue, I wonder? Well, actually, I did see one. Really? I didn't. I did. I did see one where they talked about how um, originally, you know, there was so much anticipation. You know, the first three are like the legendary. They're Star Wars. We grew up on them. Everybody mm. loves them. And they were like, oh, we need more Star Wars. And then the next three came out and everyone was like, oh, well, these were terrible. Are we ever going to get Star Wars again? Mm-hmm. And then we did. And people were like, oh, we're going to get more Star Wars. Um, and But the problem is now that, like, there's a TV series, Star Wars TV series in the right. slated in the works. There's a Boba Fett uh, spinoff coming. Potentially. Potentially. That's, that's not official yet. Right. But, yeah, I saw that, um, too. And then there was something else, Star Wars, that was coming out, too. And so they're, they were talking about the fact, like, okay... The original trilogy came out every three years. Right. Which really led to a lot of people clamoring for more Star Wars. Mm -hmm. And even the ill-fated prequels came out every three Three years. years. Same same schedule. And so then we have um, these these final three, seven, eight, nine, coming out. But in between them, you have Rogue Rogue One, One, and and then you've got this one. And so it's almost like they are creating Star Wars fatigue because they are saturating the market. Like the anticipation and the um, desire for more, um, that they're almost creating movies without delivering, you know, the quality content. Oh, yeah. Well, I don't know that. I still say that it's not an issue of fatigue. They just didn't make a good movie. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, I agree with you. I'm just saying what the article said. Okay. I, I'm not saying that I, I agreed with that. Yeah. But yeah, I'm just trying to be sarcastic because, and I'm not saying that Star Wars fatigue is a thing that could happen, mm-hmm. but I just find it funny that Deadpool had a better opening weekend on a non-holiday. Right. And there are articles being written about superhero fatigue. This movie came out to a kind of a thud. Right. And... I don't. I didn't, and uh, I missed that one. I guess, but I was like, I didn't see anything about the potential for Star Wars fatigue, which I find amusing. <laughs> anyway, all right. So, anything else that we want to see? You want to say about Solo, a Star Wars? No. Solo. I just have to say. I mean, it's it. It was bland, and that's the part yeah. that was disappointing for me. Um, if this is any other space adventure, space pirate adventure, probably would have been pretty good. Right. But you had to make it about Han Solo. Mm. Yeah. And I don't... I am I know they're talking about, like, there's the Boba Fett movie and they might do an Obi-Wan movie. Oh, come on. Yeah, just... I don't want past things explained to me. I'm fine with how it is in my mind. Just do something... Except... Oh, actually, you know what? Make a Lando movie. Give yes. Donald Glover a Lando movie. Yes. The guy is so talented that I'm fine with that. Yes. That would be great. Um, I will say, I was going to say that um, the one uh, kind of funny piece that I would say about this is that um, this is the first movie. Oh, I already said it with no Kenobi or Skywalker. Or no lightsaber fight. And no lightsaber fight. Yeah. Which is also okay, I guess. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I didn't say, care that there wasn't one. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't either. But there was a lot of things that ultimately I could say. I just didn't care yeah. when it came to this movie. Yeah, I would agree with that. All right. Well, thanks for listening to our bummer cast this week. I know. <laughs> I know. This was not a raving, like, oh, we loved this movie. Yeah. But that's okay because it's good for us to go see movies that are um, not as, like, over the top exciting for us Yeah. as others. And it wouldn't be as, and if it were Star Wars, because it's a big deal right. to us. Uh, that franchise and those movies especially those original movies so that's why it's kind of an extra bummer right so i don't know what we're seeing next week no there's not a whole lot coming out that we have been talking about wanting to see um i will say so after much thought yeah maybe if it's still out yeah perhaps we go back and we revisit a Quiet Place. 
Okay. Well, you I know, know how I feel about scary movies. Right. But it is getting such high marks that I kind of feel like maybe we'd be remiss if we didn't go see it. Okay. Well, maybe we'll maybe that might be what we do. We'll see. We'll, we'll I know discuss. your predilection about scary things, so we'll see. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening to this week's episode of the Cold Beer and Cool Movie Podcast. You can find us on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and a lot of podcasting apps on your Android device. Uh, if you saw Solo and think that we're crazy for what we thought about it, let us know by sending us an email to ddkpodcasting at gmail.com. Uh, subscribe to our podcast at all those places I mentioned. Uh, rate and review us if you don't mind. And uh, tell a friend about us if you like what we do, if you have fun with us. And uh, yeah, so that's it this week. And until next week. Go see a movie. And thank you, everyone, for listening.